horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Well, welcome back to another edition of Winning Ponies. I hope everyone is happy and healthy. A big shout out and thank you to all my friends at Keeneland Racecourse. What a fantastic weekend. It was fantastic with the weather, but most important, it was fantastic to see so many people in person again, the majority of them without masks on their face, getting to see big smiles, hugging each other. It was just fantastic. Uh, started out, uh, uh, well, it's Friday. We started up Friday, perfect weather couple of graded stakes races winning you're in on the program and then saturday man that was a full day started out in the morning with the uh they do this uh, hall of fame and current jockeys layout they sell uh posters the money goes to pdjf you go right down the line i mean you know you had hall of famers uh, of course pat day was there yeah you had old timers like jean kruger and new kids like gerardo corrales and everybody else in between i'm not going to start naming them because i'll leave somebody off all i can say is it was a who's who because so many top jocks were in town that day, including Johnny V, who was there on Friday, but he was there on Saturday. Anyhow, just great, great, great to see all of, all of them and to see so many people. Now, they did uh, uh, kind of limit the amount of uh, race fans in attendance, but it wasn't all that noticeable, to be honest with you. Tonight on Winning Ponies, while well, we're going to raid out of the block, we're going to re- – Turn visit with Matt Schiffman, who co-hosts the popular weekly video show Horse Center. I'd highly recommend it on your YouTube. Brian Zipsy's his partner there. Uh, of course, Brian has been a frequent guest on this show. And those guys in the last couple of weeks have been breaking down all of the Breeders' Cup races. Who's in, who's not, who's hot, who's not. And especially now, it's starting to shake out. And there's quite a few powerhouse horses working their way to the top. You're going to have to upset them in your uh, pick six wagers uh, over the uh, two-day period for the Breeders' Cup. So Matt Schiffman is going to help us with the handicapping portion and catching us up there. And then Ed Bowen, who has uh, just been exposed to every side of racing uh he's a multi-award winning uh, writer uh graduate of the university of florida in journalism um been there done that as a veteran turf writer and we're going to go in and tap his experience for uh so much that he's seen and of course get your pens and papers out because from what i understand with all of the supply chain problems you want to start christmas shopping early and on that list you want to put the lucky 13 a book penned by edward bowen the winners of america's triple crown of horse racing it may be a while before we see another but 13 have done it and they said it would never happen again so ed bowen matt schiffman looking forward to a great show 
and uh, I don't really know where to start. So much has has happened in just the last couple of days. Uh, one one or one of the best things that happened was yesterday. Uh, the Jessamine Stakes. Now this was the final win, and you're in, and a horse by California Chrome is going to be going. California Angel, she's now got a feed pays berth into the Grade 1 Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. The best part of this story is the man who trains, George Leonard III. I met him over a decade ago on the rail at River Downs watching his horses work out. He had a small stable. He stayed down the road at the uh, historic AJ's Roadhouse, historic for all the stories you could tell about that place. But nonetheless, so happy. Uh, George Leonard, just probably the coolest guy I ever met. And it is so great that something like this has happened to him. And California Angel... Uh, was not a big hit along the sales ring, and he ended up getting her for $5,000, and now she's on her way to the Breeders' Cup after winning a graded stakes race. Congratulations, George. Very, very uh, happy for you. And uh, for those of you in the Lexington area tomorrow, I know you Irish friends don't have any problem going to McCarthy's Irish Bar in Lexington, but we'll have a special reason to do so on Friday. There's going to be a fundraiser for Declan Cannon. Uh, if you didn't know, it was uh, just uh, yesterday there was a spill at Indiana Grand, and we don't have enough information in right now, but we do understand that it involves fractured vertebrae. And if you're a jockey, you know how long of a comeback that can be. So Declan's going to need all the help he can get. If you want to raise a few pints in his honors and put a bid on some fundraising items, the place you want to be is McCarthy's Irish Bar in Lexington. And before we get on to the races, some other news. It looks like Met Mile winner Silver State will be going to, nope, not Spendthrift, to Claiborne Farm has uh, acquired the breeding rights to this multiple graded stakes winner. And when he retires, it hasn't been announced yet, uh, he'll be going there, although he is a four-year-old son of hard spun, and he's won seven of his 13 career starts and has made over $1.9 million. Unbelievable. What a season he's having. And he just scored going to the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile with a win in your end by winning the Breed Shaping Metropolitan Handicap. A lot of great stallions have won that race. So Claiborne Farm will be getting a, a new one in the barn. Well, Let's try to go through as many race results as we can get to. Well, with Matt Schiffman, we're going to look at a couple of the remaining graded stakes races. This time, as you know, it gets a little thin leading up to the Breeders' Cup. At uh, Keeneland tomorrow, a five-and-a-half furlong turf rust race. It's the grade three Buffalo Trace, Franklin County, and everybody wanted to dash those five-and-a-half furlongs. Twelve of them set to go to post. Though there may be some wet weather coming in, we will find out. And then the following day, and I guarantee you they'll be going on the turf, soft, heavy or not, it is the QE2 
the uh, Queen Elizabeth Challenge Cup. This is three-year-old fillies, and it's bringing it out an interesting cast of 10. We'll be getting with Matt Schiffman on that one. Of course, it's a grade one, half a million dollars up for grabs. Well, uh, let's take a look at the, the races we handicapped last week and uh, what happened primarily down at Keeneland. On Friday, it was the uh, Stolkeenan Phoenix Stakes, perhaps the oldest stakes race run in North America. And the winner in here, yeah, picked by yours truly. Of course, he was the favorite, probably because you guys listened and bet him. Special Reserve with Joel Rosario up. In the second spot was Aloha West and third was Mucho. And then the grade one, Darley Alcibiades, the winner in there, Juju's Map. That's right. Look who trains. Brad Cox, Florent Giroux in the saddle. And it's a win and you're in Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Juju's Map looked very, very impressive. Just pulled away from him, was kind of galloped out as they hit the wire. So uh, look for that one to be in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. Uh, behind that was distinctly possible. I believe that was the horse that Byron King uh, picked. And in the third spot was Sequest. Then it was on to an action-packed Saturday, starting with the sixth race, the winner there, yeah, I gave out chalk again. No big surprise here. This is why Johnny V was there early on Saturday. It was Golden Pal getting the job done for Wesley Ward. Wire to wire, pulled away by three and a quarter lengths. In the second spot, oh, man, this guy's been around for a while. What a hard knocker, extravagant kid. Uh, and in the third spot was county final then we moved right on to the six furlong thoroughbred club of america and the winner in there yeah pick this one too another seven to five choice you're great at those favorites john bell's the one for my buddy neil pesson Corey lannery in the saddle uh came from off the pace was rated beautifully uh caught uh, and held off uh, club car and estilio talentoso Immediately following, we went on to the turf, one mile, the first lady, the winner in here, blowout, a British bred, trained by Chad Brown, ridden by Flavian Pratt, was let go at five to one, just held on by half a length over Regal Glory, and in the third spot was Empress Josephine. We'll be talking a little bit more about this Aiden O'Brien trainee who's going to be found in the QE2 on Saturday. Then it was the ninth race on the card. The winner, number six, upset time, rattle and roll, paid 1940. A Kenny McPeak trainee, Brian Hernandez Jr., had a great weekend and uh, pulled away by four and a quarter. Uh, Kenny hasn't weighed in as to whether or not he's going to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile yet. He's sitting on the fence. May want to save me. Actually did get Kentucky Derby points. Uh, so uh, we, I'm sorry, uh, Oaks points for this win. And rattle and roll, we will find out where, John, read that, where he's going to end up 
in the weeks ahead. Will it be the Breeders' Cup? We don't know. Classic Causeway, the favorite, was third. And then it was the Keeneland Turf Mile, grade one. Another upset in here. Interesting angle. Trainer Paolo Lobo had two in here. Now, one of the favorites was Ivar, but in love, got away at 12 to 1. Now, uh, in love, obviously the lesser of the two, Alex Achard, who wasn't riding for a while professionally, was just galloping horses, came back, rides at Indiana Grand, scored his first grade one win of his career. Again, Paolo Lobo, the trainer, in love. You're going to see her in the Breeders' Cup Mile division. And in the second spot, tell your daddy in the third spot, some like it, Hot Brown, still going to the races and still winning. So that was a look at the action at Keeneland. It was hot and heavy. Of course, the, the next day, hope you stuck around, Keeneland spinster, Latruska. Could she be the horse of the year? Well, we will find out. Uh, she took another step forward on Sunday, her fourth grade one victory of the year. And the grade one, Judmont Spencer, it was never, never a question. And then uh, Averly Jane, uh, that's right, another one out of the Wesley Ward barn, getting the job done. Uh, this was her third score over Colts. So uh, she'll be one to watch. We'll see if she ends up in the starting gate for the uh, Breeders' Cup races. But basically, folks, I got through as many races as I could in the time allowed. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to catch up on all the Breeders' Cup news and some of the best horses that you can see all the time by uh, tuning in to our guest, Matt Schiffman and Brian Zipsy on their fantastic weekly show, Horse Center. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. BUSR brings you the best options for Triple Crown season, and now is the time to get in on the action. Bet on the Kentucky Derby with BUSR. Enjoy daily rebates and cash bonuses, including up to a $500 welcome bonus for winning ponies listeners. Enter promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, when you sign up at BUSR.com backslash ponies. Again, that's promo code PONIES, P-O-N-I-E-S, at BUSR.com backslash ponies bet with confidence bet with busr you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john inglehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 
1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me now, I had Matt Schiffman on, oh, I don't know, maybe two months ago or so. I forget exactly. But uh, at the end of the call, he said, John, call me anytime. Big mistakes, folks. <laughs> Once I've got your number, I got my hooks in you. But I was so glad when I uh, checked with Matt, he said he'd be happy to do it. So, Matt Schiffman, welcome back to Winning Ponies. Thank you very much, John. Uh, I'm glad you called. My pleasure to be on. Well, I highly recommend our listeners, if uh, they're not subscribers yet, that they go on over and uh, take a look at Horse Center. It's pretty easy to find on YouTube. It pops up on mine right away. But uh, you and Brian Zipsy, and Brian's been a frequent guest on Winning Ponies, uh, you play off each other really well. But, boy, you guys really do your homework, no matter what time of the year it really is. But this time of the year... I mean, you guys are up to your ears in information, and you've been doing a great job over the weeks, kind of breaking down, looking like who's going to go to the different Breeders' Cup races in each division and who the standouts are. But I was listening to your most recent edition just a couple of hours ago, and like uh, you both discussed, you know, in some of these races, it almost looks like... Uh, there's a single in each one of them. Obviously, that never happens in the Breeders' Cup. But this year, in certain divisions at certain distances, there's some really solid horses. Yeah, it, I, I I can't remember, you know, and this is just purely uh, uh, by memory. I haven't dug in enough to actually uh, go back and, and, and get numbers on it, but it sure seems to me like this is a year when uh, there are, by my count, seven or eight of the Breeders' Cup races that have a extremely solid favorite with just a fantastic record uh uh and not just one or two races but really solid records throughout the throughout the year going into this breeder club and in particular it seems to be like a real big split um uh, where most of those races with the with the solid favorites are races on the dirt although uh, i will throw one of them the turf sprint uh in there um and then on the other hand, the turf races seem to be the races that are much more wide open. And part of that is because at this point, it's hard to know which of the Europeans are going to come over and which of them aren't going to come over. But regardless of that, um, those races seem to be far more uh, wide open. And you can kind of see it if you look at the, the futures lines that you can see from Vegas and, and some of the European books. Well, uh, the, with, with that stated, let's just go to the 800-pound gorilla sitting in the corner. Just talked about her a second ago. Latruska, the Breeders' Cup distaff. I mean, she has just been so dominant, and, and her, her last start was impressive. It, you could really tell that uh, they they left something more in the tank when she finished that race. Yeah, 
she she is you know a classic example of those horses that I was talking about. A fantastic record. I mean, my goodness, she's uh, uh, won five races in a row this year. Four of them are Grade Ones. Different racetracks all over the country. Uh, uh, she takes control of the races right out of the gate and and uh, and, and doesn't give up the lead. I, there have been horses that have tried to to run with her and and it just hasn't worked. I mean, it's it's hard when you think about uh, Latruska and right now she's three to two uh, in 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 futures wagers. It's hard to think about a way that she's not going to win that race. It seems like the rest of the field is the usual suspects, the ones that have tried to beat her already. I know she, the big question always is, have they run at Del Mar? Do they, you know, are they going to handle that track? Well, no, she hasn't run at Del Mar, but she's handled every other track. Um, so it's hard to put a knock on her. The only knock I can see is, Hey, these days, horses don't keep winning every single race. And uh, is the Breeders' Cup going to be one, the race where uh, uh, she isn't 100%? I don't know. She's been awfully good over a long campaign. Spaced out races well, but yes. uh, it, isn't like, it isn't like this is just two great races she's run. It's five, six great, great races. And uh, it's hard to imagine that she's going to lose. Well, and also, I think you guys alluded to it on the show, we probably don't have to worry about any off tracks or soft turf. <laughs> I, I understand the weather right. report, uh, even uh, this many weeks out, is going to be clear and sunny. But uh, I digress. Getting back to uh, some of these just fantastic horses we've been treated to watch uh, this year, uh, it, it, the sprinter. Jackie's warrior. I think you got to put a ring around him. Oh, goodness. I mean, you know, uh, his overall record is fantastic. And, and two of two of only three losses in his career were around two turns. They were against essential quality. We know, we know that's not, we know that's not his game. He's lost only once, um, sprinting and and he he like many of Steve Asmussen's really good horses and and it seems to be something that Asmussen can do almost better than anybody else is these horses seem to keep on getting better and better and better the more that they race and and, and Jackie's warrior is another one of them I mean I mean he hasn't been sitting in the barn um all year long Different racetracks and uh, uh, a regular campaign um, sprinting, uh, he's almost been unbeatable. Well, let's move on to the Dirt Mile. While it's not as big of a standout as Jackie's Warrior or Latruska, you have to you have to admit it's been an, inter an interesting and quite successful career for Life Is Good. Yeah, and and I'm a big fan. I'm 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 in the minority. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Dirt Mile because it gives horses um, that uh, are looking for a distance between sprinting and the classic 
distance in uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic, that 10 furlong, it gives them a great race uh, to compete in. And you often see a lot of people complaining, oh, you know, they're taking, the, they're taking the easy way out. They should try. They should run in the Classic. Well, you know what? The Classic doesn't fit everybody. So I've been a big fan of the Dirt Mile uh, as I digress for a second there. Uh, That's okay. Uh, since, it, since, since its in inception. And, hey, let's look at the Dirt Mile. We we do remember who won the Dirt Mile last year. It was Nick's go. Uh, Nick's go, who's probably going to be uh, the favorite in this year's classic. And, and now here's Life is Good, a three-year-old who uh, those first three starts when he was in the barn of, of Baffert, were awfully, awfully good. And if he had been uh, in the Kentucky Derby, I'm pretty sure he would have been a big favorite in that race. Remember, in one of those three races, he spanked Medina Spirit, who uh, uh, went on to win the Derby, et cetera, and, and just came back and ran a big race for uh, for Baffert. Um, now running for Todd Pletcher, came back, uh, and uh, in his race back, what did he try and do? He tried to beat Jackie's Warrior, and he almost did it, but that was an awful tough ask for yeah. <laughs> uh, a horse to come back in. And when maybe, likely, flat-out sprinting is not the game of life is good. Two turns probably is. One turn miles, mile and an eighth or so. So now uh, uh, Pletcher says, we're going to go where... What right now life is good fits, which is in the dirt mile, and he's likely to be another one of those really big favorites. All right, we're talking with Matt Schiffman, and Matt. Uh, now we'll we'll move on to uh, one race I think that has another pretty much sure thing, and then things get a little more wide open. And I'm not going to do every race, but the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, I mean, here we are talking about Latruska, Jackie's Warrior, Life is Good. you got to put the two-year-old Echo Zulu in that conversation of this year's greats. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, again, another one who's going to be a really solid favorite, um, uh, Definitely less than two to one. Who knows? Maybe getting close to even money. And in those, you know, first three races that Echo Zulu has run um, were, uh, hey, were super impressive. He, uh, she won easily. Another one for uh, Steve Asmussen and the the juvenile fillies. Historically, is the race that has been kindest. Two favorites, one of the original, you know, the original Breeders' Cup races, and which has been won by 18 favorites over the years, and, and uh, Zulu Alpha could very well be another one of them. If if she if there is an upstart in that race, uh, I'm not sure when you guys uh, uh, taped your last uh, edition, but it was over the weekend. Uh, Juju's map. A Brad Cox trainee was pretty impressive in, in the Alcibiades. Still doesn't have the re resume of Echo Zulu, but undefeated, wins off by like four and a quarter lengths. I think Juju's map is going to be heard from down the road. Whether or not it'll be in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies, I don't know. But in the, yeah. Breeders, Cup, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, here we get a little more wide open. I could pick up from your... Uh, 
broadcast on Horse Center that uh, uh, Jack Christopher uh, kind of popped your eyes a little bit. And out on the West Coast, we got Corniche. But I'm not 100% sure if this horse is coming or not. But I'll tell you what, Matt, Rattle and Roll was very impressive in the Claiborne Breeders' Futurity uh, on Sunday. Yeah, and, and I think we just heard uh, today that uh, uh, he is definitely going to go to uh, the Breeders' Cup, as uh, was reported as as was reported on uh, on Horse Racing Nation. And yeah, and Jack Christopher uh, two starts for Chad Brown, and and Chad Brown has as a young trainer has certainly taken the Breeders' Cup by storm, winning I think. 15 Breeders' Cup races already in his young career. Yes, most of those were on the turf, but he does have a win in the juvenile uh, a few races back with uh, with good magic, but got to make the trip to the West. But both of his races turned in, uh, turned in similar speed figures and resulted in easy victories. And then, uh, then Corniche, who's got, you know, the home, uh, the home track advantage for Baffert was hugely impressive in his uh, maiden victory, and then a nice win in the American Pharaoh. Speed figures didn't come up quite as big in that as in uh, uh, in his maiden victory. So it's interesting, and I think there, uh, you know, are other horses that uh, uh, like Rattle and Roll that you mentioned who will need to be considered in there. So uh, I think Jack Christopher will probably be the favorite, but not nearly the same kind of favorite as uh, some of the other ones we mentioned. Uh, well, this will be the last one because I'm running out of time, Matt. This has been okay. great. Uh, the classic. Like you said, Nick's go. Right now, I think the bookmakers are giving a little bit of an edge over his stablemate, Essential Quality. That could reverse when they go to post. But, hey, folks, bet a methazone or not, Medina Spirit's for real. Uh, and who knows if the now horse is an art collector. And I really wouldn't be surprised if Hot Rod Charlie won the whole thing. This is a great division. I think I think this is one of the strongest uh, uh uh, classics that we've had in the last few years with a really interesting balance between the three-year-olds and the older horses. Uh, I think Nick's go likely to be the favorite, but, you know, certainly a, a valid, valid question mark um, about Nick's go is the uh, 10 furlong distance. Um Certainly, since Brad Cox has put him around two turns and let him run and get to the lead, he has been extremely hard to beat. But in this one, he's likely to to get some pressure out front, so it won't be quite as easy. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting uh, uh, classic, and and the classic uh, has only been won by ten favorites over the years and most of those 10 favorites are are kind of legendary uh yeah. horse names like American Pharaoh and Zenyatta and Skipaway and AP Indy and Arishiba and Ferdinand I don't know if Nick's go is is that kind of horse 
Well, we'll find out. Well, my producers tell me I've only got a minute left, so we really didn't have much time for handicapping. Did you get a chance to look at the Queen Elizabeth Challenge? It's uh, you kind of got two Chad Brown trainees in there, and an interesting angle with uh, Empress Josephine. Whereas Aiden O'Brien's going to try to repeat what he did ten years ago with together in uh, getting beat in the First Lady and coming back a week later and winning the QE two. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting field. And you mentioned Chad Brown has two in there. The, the, the Chad Brown barn is, uh, is red hot last, uh, right now. Last weekend, he ran first and second, uh, in, in two of the big turf races. Um, in the first lady, it was Chad Brown, Chad Brown, the pair of, five to ones and uh in the joe hirsch it was the two longest shots imagine that chad yeah. brown the two longest shots running one two so could he run one two again uh in the queen elizabeth two he's got two very good horses in there uh in technical analysis and uh Sara. but i yeah that that aiden o'brien thing is really interesting and we got two really, really good guys on Horse Center every week. And Matt Schiffman, thanks so much for joining us. And I got your number. You'll be back on sooner than you want, probably. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for talking about Horse Center. All right. Well, uh, Matt Schiffman, thank you very much. Going to take a quick break. And we come back, we're going to talk to a living legend, in my opinion, none other than Ed Bowen. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, I'm not sure if the Racing Hall of Fame has yet elected him as one of the pillars of the turf, but in my books, he is none other than veteran turf writer Ed Bowen. Ed, thanks for joining us again here on Winning Ponies. 
Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the chance to talk with you. And I reminded everybody at the top of the show, and I'm going to remind them again, get your piece of paper and pen out and don't say I didn't say it uh, uh, succinctly enough for you to get. There is no supply chain problem with obtaining the Lucky 13, the winners of America's Triples Crowns of Horse Racing, penned by Ed Bowen. But I digress. Remember, folks, I'm going to tell you how to get that book and give you the title again before we go. Ed, it was really good, albeit brief, to see you in the press box at Keeneland the other day. Of course, I was joking off the air with this being the 85th anniversary. I was going to ask you how the first day of racing was then. Again, I joke. But what are, I mean, you, uh, you know, eventually in your career and life settled in the central Kentucky area. Um, what are your fondest memories of Keeneland? And that's a tough question, I know. But so if it's your fondest memory, it should maybe jump to the front of your mind. Well, uh, many things. Uh, one's the first time I went and so forth. One of my fond, fond memories was when my uh, older daughter was about uh, – uh, nine or ten years old, and uh, I got to take her to the Bluegrass Stakes and uh, saw a spectacular bid win. She was old enough to uh, kind of understand the importance of the bluegrass. Uh, I had uh, many other memories. I, uh, uh, I was uh, particularly fond, uh, going back to before that, uh, the lamb chop when she came to uh, came to Keeneland, uh uh, in 1963, she ran in a prep race that was a betless exhibition, which, of course, always gets that oddity of you've got this wonderful horse and the crowd's booing, but they're booing management, not the wonderful horse. But wow. but I, I think the uh, <clears throat> the uh, the horses that the, the memories of Keeneland are are just uh, just very many. Uh, uh, my, I was very good friends with Cot Campbell and still friends with his wife, Ann. And when the Summer Squall won the Bluegrass, that was a very exciting event. I loved uh, the first running of the Queen Elizabeth uh, uh, Challenge Cup in 1984 when the, the Queen not only came, but she, she had created the trophy. She presented it. And... Uh, 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 South Hancock's Philly uh, Central won it. And I remember looking down there at the jockey's little fellow named Keith Allen. And in the interim between uh, winning the race, coming to the winter circle, he was off the horse waiting for the queen. And you could see he was practicing bowing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, I remember. <laughs> I, I, popping up and down. Yeah. I, I, I remember the, uh, the the jockeys all had to have a prep before they went out uh, to get saddled as to what they could and couldn't do around the queen and exactly how to meet <laughs> yeah. her. I mean, they were all lined up and I'll tell you what, they were very well respectful and it was, it was well done. I, I do remember that day fondly myself. Well, again, oh, we, yes. we could right. be here for eight hours if we recap uh, 85 <laughs> years at, at Keeneland. Um, let's see, let me hit you with this one. I looked around the, uh, the the press area this weekend, uh, and I, I would say it was about 50% filled. Um, what, what, what's your overall observation it's, it's, as somebody that's been an uh, ink-stained wretch of the uh, track publicist side of things? Uh, the, the, the changes in race coverage uh, through print, 
obviously that has now been shared with the online content and all those shared with television coverage. Um, what are your opinions of the changes in our racing coverage? I know we both like to see a lot more. Well, I'm pleased with the, the fact that, uh, there's more racing on television, uh, just in general, as a newspaper guy of all, all subjects, I, I don't like to see newspapers fade in importance, but I recognize that that's happening. And I think it is marvelous that we have, uh, filling the void of newspaper coverage. We have so many, uh, online publications coming at you with far more than uh, than you ever could have in a newspaper. I mean, I don't believe there ever was a newspaper other than the racing form that had as much material daily as either the Blood Horse or the Thurber Daily News or the Pollock Report. Now, once you get past wanting to be an ink-stained wretch, and having <laughs> paper in your hand that you have to wash the ink off of, I, I still long for that. I, 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 I like the I like the clack of typewriters, for instance. Yes. So it 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 is different, and uh, I have the sense. I think if there's one thing that I really really regret is that the lifestyle uh, is reduced. Uh, the number of people who can have that experience of being in the press box and uh, pounding out deadlines and so forth, that seems to be decreased, and I'm sorry about that. But as I say, I'm uh, amazed, very pleased with the quality of the daily reports. Uh, people like, uh, of course, I'm a blood horse. Uh, that's my alma mater, so I would think of them. But if you look at the Pollock Report uh uh, 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 Voss and uh, Neville, and they just have. There's so many people that have emerged as very, very good uh, people who cover racing very well, not only in the news but in the commentary about it. So I, I have to feel that we we have to look at it at the product and not uh, long for the days the, the because the way the product used to be packaged. And again, that's television. True. I mean, the 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 fact that you can see uh, it's it's a little bit amusing to say I've got to write down uh, which channel I watch from four to five and which channel I switch to five to six, and then there's TVG, <laughs> and so America's day at the races. It's a, right. America's hour and a half at America's hour and a half at the races. But the fact that we've got so much racing that there's even duplicates uh, that's 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 terrific. Well, I hate to say that something good came out of the COVID pandemic, but that did. I mean, outside of South Korean baseball, racing was the only sport you could get on television, and they took advantage of it. And I saw one statistic at a point that uh, viewership of racing was up 135%. And what's also good is I did notice some of the hosts, both on uh, Fox Sports and TVG, change the, their delivery of the message a little bit. So instead of, Ed, assuming you knew what a trifecta was, they'd walk <laughs> the listener through it because there were a lot of right. novices and new people listening to your show. And hats off to both those outlets because they did a good job at educating the new listeners. 
Right, and I think the uh, individual tracks did a very good job, and it was it was uh, kind of heartwarming to see little tracks uh, getting uh, getting a lot of recognition. And uh, I think it was a <clears throat> it it took a lot of uh, very careful uh, uh, management. The racetracks had to convince the uh, the, the uh, authorities that they were able to. Uh, maintain good uh, uh, health, uh, COVID-conscious practices, uh, and, and still carry on racing. And uh, didn't have a big crowds, but uh, but that was okay too. It really was a really was an uh, uh, ironic uh, development, and the fact that uh, you know the fact that we had all these horses that they had to be taken care of. So even if you shut down racing. You still had to have people out there taking care of the horses, so it, it didn't add anything to the to the threat to go ahead and race them as long as you had uh, you had almost no one there, uh, no no fan no uh, fans there, and and you go back to I always think of the the debt we all owe Tommy Roberts for his uh, many many years ago I guess forty years ago being a so. Uh, instrumental in developing uh simulcasting the fact that the fact that interstate simulcasting existed and that the interstate uh law of 1978 was in place i mean it just so many things uh came into play that allowed horse racing to carry on in a way that uh, so few uh, uh industries or sports uh, were able to Absolutely. Now, Ed, you've been, like I said, uh, not necessarily in Lexington 24-7, but you live in the area. You've, you're a great observer of the sport. How about, and I know that you recently wrote a book uh, for, for Claiborne Farm that's available at the farm, but um, what about your observations of changing and breeding over the decades? When I started getting um, interested, I want to say a stallion was limited to 40 mares. Was that the number? Right, right. That, that was that was the common number for for many for many years. Although there were some aberrations. Gosh, going back, at, uh, it's amazing to look at uh, <clears throat> John Madden at uh, Hamburg Place in the early part of the 20th centuries. He would read uh, uh, he would read stallions to considerably more than that. But for the most part, 40 was the was the number, and when uh, when uh, simul- I mean, when syndication became such a big deal, it came. Uh, with, it, many stallions were breeding to 32 or 35, and it moved up to 40 because with the with the syndication, you had a few extra shares. You had to you had to give seasons to the the farm that was managing the horse and so forth. But but 40 was the uh, was the number, and uh, a horse that was as phenomenal as Bold Ruler uh, never. Never was bred to more than forty mares. Ed, don't now, you think now, that somehow that established a true value of a stallion that he didn't have a hundred and twenty foals every year? That you saw in that, and I know the size of the racing foal crop was a little bit different back then, but I, I just think for the legend of the stallions, and I know you've written about many, it it, it, it gave you a little truer picture because you, you weren't up to bat one hundred and fifty times. You had forty swings. Well, 
<clears throat> I think that that was one of again one of those things that's it was a lot different. But I don't think that it's necessarily uh, uh, bad because if you think about it, it, to take the top ten stadiums at any given era, the top ten, uh, so you'd have these stadiums, and uh, at at forty mayors, that means that that only four hundred mayors out of thousands had the opportunity to be bred to those stallions. Uh, it works both ways. The the breeder, uh, the, ma- the mare owner, has more of an opportunity to get to a great stallion than he used to. The downside of that is the poor guy with a, a second or third level stallion <clears throat> has far less of an opportunity to develop that horse. So uh, there's, you know, whenever, whenever one goes up, the other, something has to happen. But, uh, and then also you have the incredible change. I remember when, when the foal crop got to be over 50,000, people mm-hmm. thought, well, this is just ridiculous. And I don't know why we thought it was ridiculous, but we did. And now it's going down <laughs> under 20,000. We think this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I think, I do, I do think that the, the jockey club moved to limit it to 130 or whatever it is. I think that's if that stands the test of the uh, restraint of trade laws, which I think it will, based on what's happening with the standard bread industry. I think the 130 is a it, it, it is a good uh, level. I think the the proliferation of huge books uh, has some drawbacks. The main drawback being the fear that you're going to uh, develop uh, such an inbreeding uh, uh, quotient within the industry that you'd get into some troubles. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not really totally negative about the uh, about the increase in, uh, in in book size. And one thing about it, it came about through uh, through good science. I mean, the the ability to determine when a mare is going to ovulate means that you don't have to assume that she's going to have to be covered three times or four times in the spring to get uh, to get pregnant. So uh, you've got these great stallions, and they, they can get uh, 100 mares in foal with the same number of covers that they used to, uh, used to, to, to need to get, uh, you know, 40 or 50 or, or whatever. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's scientifically based. Now, the irony is you can say, well, back in the 1940s, you might have said, well, I don't want to go to artificial insemination because, damn, we'll wind up with 100 mares by the same, 100 foals by the same uh, stallion. And now that has come to pass. But now if you say we went to artificial insemination, we, we wind up with 500 foals by the same stallion. So, right. so the logic against artificial insemination is still there, even though it seems to, it, it, it's different from the numbers are different from what they used to be. Well, Ed, uh, I, I uh, would f- be a failure if I had you on and, and didn't uh, allow for some shameless self-promotion. As I said uh, at the head of the show and with your introduction, that perhaps anybody who has someone in the family who is a lover of the sport and wants to sprinkle in some fan fantastic historical perspectives on the triple crown winners an individual chapter on each one they need to uh 
get the lucky 13, the winners of America's triple crown of horse racing. And I guess the obvious one this day and age is Amazon. Uh, is, are there any other outlets you would recommend to, to get this uh, by Christmas? Uh, not really. I guess you can go directly to the publisher, which is uh, Roman Littlefield. But uh, I think Amazon, even with all the publicity about the uh, delays and so forth, I, I think Amazon would, would be able to get you get you that book. And uh, I, I believe the... Uh, it won't happen right away, but I think they're going to to republish it uh, uh, at some point. I, I'm always a, a, I, I'm on bended knee to publishers because they are the ones who put the money up for the most part, and uh, I, res, I respect the fact that they that they have to uh, you know they 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 spring they pay for the publication and this that and the other, and uh, I, I don't know for sure they're going to reprint that, but. I'm pretty sure they will. That that book was uh, was interesting. The timing of it that uh, uh, when I first committed to do it, it was going to be called the the Golden Dozen or something like that. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and we then we had an additional Triple Crown winner, so it got to be the Lucky Thirteen. I I kind of winced at that because I don't want to think won't want people to say, well, I'm saying all these horses were lucky. <laughs> You have to have, I've always said, you don't have to have good luck. You just have to have an absence of bad luck to be a horse who goes through a career of, of any of any sort and, and then was able to, to be sound and to be good enough and then to be sound enough and sh- all that for, for to win those three races. You Again, it's not it's not good luck, but it's an uh, absence of bad luck. But, but the publisher, they're in the business of selling to the public, so... The Lucky 13 is, is what it's called. Well, a little play on words. It catches your eye, and you can find about <laughs> everybody from uh, uh, Sir Barton uh, back in 1919 right up to Justify only three years ago. And it, it's just a fantastic read. And again, because it has so many chapters, folks, you don't have to dedicate two days to reading it. You can read a chapter, put it down, come back to it when you got the time to take it in. Uh, my kind of book, Ed Bowen. Well, you're my kind of guy, well, too, but my, uh, my producer is saying john you got to end the love fest with ed bowen you only got 30 seconds so ed thanks a lot for joining us this evening greatly appreciate talking to you my pleasure and i look forward to seeing you at keeneland again and uh and the uh as as uh ben jones once said to uh to uh sunday's young fitzsimmons after he beat him in a race uh he ought to, he should have been at the races yesterday they're giving money away so uh I'll see you at Kingland. (laughs) All right. Okay, that was Ed Bowen. I want to thank Matt Schiffman from Horse Center. I want to thank my producer, Josh, for keeping me in line. And most importantly, you for listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.